me how it's done, Neil. Yep. Hey, do you like books, Neil? Hey, J- uh, Jordan, you I know start. I do. What did you say? I just called you Jordan. Wait, what? Jordan? Did you? Yeah, no, I, I knew I... I could have corrected it, but I thought it would be funny. You, how could you have corrected it? Because I, I was thinking, I was just looking at my email. Leave me alone. From Jordan? Which Jordan? Jordan Knight? Uh, yeah. Do you like the new kids on the block? No. Look, we... But you probably like books. I, li- I love books. You know I do. I'm a reading motherfucker. What are you reading right now? Right now, Home? I got my hands on James Mishner's Hawaii. Is that new? No, it was published in 1959. It's a good book. Is it? But what fiction? I wish is... It's a long book. What I wish is I could hear it in the car on my way to work in a recorded audiobook format. Do you have Ooh. any suggestions? I, I'm right now. I've been reading The Goldfinch for about eight months. That It's a f- fucking long book. And I'm getting to the point where it's like, just read it to me. Like, I'm on page 740, and I'm like, just, I can't. And I wish. Oh, wait. There is a way I could listen to it on tape? I have heard that there is a brand new technology called the audiobook. What? They have audio books as read by the author. I wish we had an author here who had read their own book. Did someone call? <laughs> ding dong. We're going to put a ding dong effect on that. <laughs> ding dong. Oh, it's Baratundi Thurston, everybody. I heard you guys were looking for a literate author. Wait a minute. You wrote, you wrote a book? I did write a book. Wait a minute. And you... I read that book. To who? To anyone with ears and the internet. <laughs> How can somebody get he's, their He's hand. on audible.com. Audible.com yes. is the name of the website. Yes. That's what, uh, if you go on, you get a free audiobook download. Uh, you, you could t- get How you to Be to, Black? Yeah, that, How to Be that, Black. That's the book I wrote, uh, How to Be yes. Black. How you can black? hear me telling you that book. I or tell the book to you. You can get my book, How to Be White. You can, yeah. No, it's not called How to Be White. It's called Casher in the Rye. <laughs> I also correct. wrote a book that oh. I also read that's also available on audible.com. I've never written a book, guys. You, you will. Know why? You right. But Don't want to waste my time. But when you do, when you change your mind uh-huh. and grow Are up. Are you both glad you wrote your books? Yeah, very glad. Okay. Very I glad. am too. But when you're right, finally me. ready to fully betray your your old, your past... Yeah, you write that yeah, book. when I finally am ready to drop dime on some, some of these motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. out here. And if then you put that book on Audible. Audiblepodcast.com slash champs. You can sign up and get a free audio book of your choice. Such free. as Cashier in the Rye. Or How to Be Black. Or the book that Neil's yet to write. But when or the fu- I'm going to drop dime or, on all these yep. motherfuckers. Or the future. It's going to be like St. Valentine's Day all over again. A lot of these... A lot of these clowns out here right, <laughs> claiming to be comedians. Or the future book by Neil Brennan, yes. He Went to Africa, I Went to the Streets by Neil yes. Brennan. <laughs> um, I have uh, – oh, you know what book I got is uh, Norman Lear wrote a book. Oh, yeah. Uh, called uh, Even This I Get to Experience, I think it's called. Uh, that's next on my queue. Okay. But uh, I'm wanna, sure there's an audio book of that. I want a review of that. Uh, so Listen, go- we know our, li- our listeners are illiterate motherfuckers that care about – literary topic <laughs> and tell people that you're reading a book and be like yeah i read that even though i was fucking no but it's, yeah. it's I, I call that reading you consume you a whole book okay. yeah. every word that was written in it so i'm with saying you. like i consumed the book sounds like maybe you ate it yep. so just say read people know book eating motherfucker go to audiblepodcast.com slash amps and get a free book fuck with it motherfuckers yeah <laughs> This is the part where we tell you about the live dates that we will be doing stuff and fun things and promote things. I, for one, have some things to promote to you. I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, the weekend of the 12th and 13th at Zany's. Come see me in Nashville. I'm very excited about that. And then the weekend of the 15th of December through the 19th, I'll be at the Punchline Comedy Club 
in San Francisco, my old stomping grounds. I'm also going to a number of things coming up. Chicago, I'll be at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. I have a bunch of fun things that are on my website, MosheKasher.com. So you can go see my live. Come see me. Bertani, what do you got? I am actually doing a funky gig uh, Sunday, December 7th in Los Angeles at YouTube Space LA. Uh, my company, Cultivated Wits, putting on a comedy tech show. It's basically people build funny apps all weekend, put them on display. So it's comedy show meets like weird tech demo, and it's uh, awkwardly hilarious. Great. Um, and then probably doing something with Sketchfest in San Francisco They're as gonna well. going to come up. Almost certainly. It's not super confirmed, but fuck it. Why not? I'll be there. Yeah. I just booked You know it. what? I just booked myself. There you go. I just canceled, guys. <laughs> you canceled Sketchfest. Hearing I'll take about his this. 10. Just hearing about this. That you guys are really going to be. All right. Let's start the show. You got nothing? No. All right. Well, let's start the show. Keep it 100. Now you're fucking with the champs. Yeah. Yeah, we're back. Yes. 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 Always back. Yes. yes. Always yes. back. Yes. yes. Uh, along, uh, our guest today, author, founder of Cultivated Wit. This is all stuff I didn't know until I just heard the promos. Co- um, co-founder. Co-founder of Cultivated Wit. No, this is all stuff I know. Um, author. Former of editor, editor of at the, the Onion. Onion. Director of digital and Director politics editor. Digital and politics editor at The Onion. Former. The author of many hilarious and alternately heartbreaking tweets <laughs> on Twitter. Thank you. Yes. Um and and the guy the guy we wanted to have on today more than anybody I, but else. I've all, but you know I've been asking you for years yeah no we've we've gone back and forth over this and we've never been we've we, we've switched cities a lot many times basically many uh, times. so we I, flip, I recently we flip, we flip people we flip it like that yeah across the Mississippi just coast to coast <sighs> all right Moshe all right so the the Ferguson verdict came out three days ago today was the was Eric was a week ago? and three days ago sorry. A week and three days ago, uh, today just was Eric when you Garner. America couldn't get worse, and then Eric Garner. They add insult to injury. The little kid in Cleveland got shot the other day. Twelve years old. That kid looked fucking little too, by the way. Yeah. Um, and the, now it's saying that the cop should should have never even had a gun. Uh, you see that? No, I didn't see that. What oh, the cops mean? had a has a bet in shooting training. He was uh, deplorable or something. The 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 word they used was like he sh- just shouldn't be a cop. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, what is going on? Um, crime is going on by the people who are supposed to stop crime. Uh, the sad thing, I think a lot's going on. I think we have, these things always happen. Right. Right. So this isn't new. Rodney King was caught, you know, on tape. That was well over, that was 20 something years ago at this point. We've got all kinds of incidents from Michael Brown to, Amadou Diallo to, you know, up in Oakland on the bar. I can't even remember all the names. At this yeah. point. There's Renisha McBride in Detroit. There are – this has always happened. I think part of what's going on is this weird timing. There's this, this overlap and it feels like this accelerating. We have a lot more media and it's just more flagrant. It feels like it feels like America is trolling black people right now uh-huh. and just like daring you to not like – rip the whole no, thing apart and just feel like or with, be devastated into a catatonic depression. It feels like that with Mike Brown. It was like, you thought this was bad? Yeah. <laughs> that, this isn't shit. Look at it, what yeah. we just did in New York. Yeah. Like, you, oh, you want body cams? Well, we have footage. Oh, we totally have footage. You, well, yeah, you, want, you the, want somebody that's the, definitely on film being gentle? Yeah. Here he is. Yeah. So, so, part, so I think that's what's going on. I think America's promise, the original promise, is actually coming to fruition in some ways that three-fifths of a human thing that, you know, was sort of codified dehumanization uh, of black folk 
it's still in this country's blood in many ways. We haven't eradicated that. So obviously it's not every cop, obviously not every person in this country is evil, but there's a lot of bad shit still going on. And it's, it's a systemic thing. This isn't random bad apples. This is some bias that's built into a lot of people and the consequences are deadly for, for other people. Okay. So thinking about that, um, what can people do? Cause that's the thing. It's like, I'm, I'm conscientious. I'm uh, connected. I'm not I one of the shit. bad ones. You're, I, not, you're like, not a cop that's uh, shooting. Yeah. <laughs> like I right. want, I don't want, it's like, right. I ma- I- like I was thinking about making a uh, PSA, right? Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, well, at the end of it, what do I even say? Like, do now, what am I impelling people to do? What what are you doing and yeah. what can people do? All right. So a um, couple things. And this is just off the top of the dome as a rapper that I am not would say. Um, there is a I was I came here from this, another studio I'm out in Los Angeles doing this show called Take Part Live. And you stay in the studio. You stay. I, I just you stay studio to studio. Yeah, you know yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I roll. Right. I'm never going to say that again. No, I um, liked it though. It felt it, very genuine it feel, and real. Feel yeah, for sure. Felt, felt like I was yeah. I was real. No, it felt very real. Thank you so much, Mr. Cashier. <laughs> um, what I'm doing is uh, wallowing. A lot. I think pain. Are you are you just and genuinely feeling it am, as deeply you know, as you've ever felt? Yeah. I, and and there's you know whether it's at the Trayvon moment, you know because yeah, again we didn't mention Trayvon. Yeah. Because you don't. The thing is that's the sad part. Right. You yeah. can just substitute in yeah. names from a different jurisdiction, from a different part of the country, from a different police force. It's these lives are treated as if they don't matter. This is such a regular thing. You're like oh yeah, of course somebody else was killed by the cops because that's the pattern that we've established. So what I would say, though, because I've written this book, right, Call How to Be Black, there's an expectation I have something to say. And mm-hmm. I usually do. After Trayvon, I was speechless. I just uh-huh. tweeted music. I just went through RDO and Spotify and just grabbed some, like, old 70s hits and some rap songs. And just and kill the white people by the Richard Pryor Just show. on loop. Yeah, on yeah. loop. Um, just because I couldn't find normal words to, to right. express that. Very. So part of what I'm doing, Neil, is just feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people – all people, not just black people, not just men, to feel like this is an assault on all of us. This is assault on, on on our nation, on the idea of justice, on equal protection of the law. All that, all that good shit from the Constitution mm-hmm. is under fire right now. And I think feeling is an important step. I think some people take it out in street protests and understanding that pain needs to be expressed in some way is a, is a very important first thing. For me. Um, I mean, is it because the, the, the narrative that, that I think white America is receiving yeah. is from black America is we've known this shit has been going on this whole time. Yeah. You're just finding out about it because the internet has now made it, it, information available yeah. so you can see it every time it happens. But it even feels like even black America is feeling like overwhelmed and amazed at what at what's going well, on. Well, that right social now. media thing has connected. It amplifies. People. Yeah. It also is like, oh, inf- it used to just be like, I heard about in Florida that it's right. fucked up. Yeah, it was like now, regional. Even, a, even right? a community that says, we've known, we aren't surprised, is surprised at the depth of what's and going I, on. So I, I think – I haven't looked at the numbers of incidents, so I don't know if there's actually an increase or if we just know more. But I will say in addition to the social media thing, we got this black president thing on top yeah, right. of it all. I'm right? just thinking about that today. And you know, if we that got, doesn't solve it, what does? We got basically like Batman and Robin in, in Obama and Eric Holder, mm-hmm. right? They're like trying to keep it together and hold it down. Like we'll, go, we'll send the FBI into St. Louis. Oh, then they work. Even, we got to send them to Staten Island. It's like a backup force to try to make America still appear like the whole system works. So, so, so part of it is feeling the pain. I think the other thing. System wide, on an individual level, there's a lot of other things to consider. 
there are ways to fix this. And it's slow and it's hard and it involves retraining a ton of people with guns and badges that allow them to use those guns without any kind of punishment. There's a level of policing the police that needs to be happening here. But part of what happens is cops shoot first. They don't talk. They don't try other means. They feel threatened by anything dark and male-shaped. And so they get all they get all their hackles in a tizzy and their their manhood gets threatened. There's the, the specific I'm bouncing around because I'm still so feeling uh, of all this stuff. But let me breathe for a second and focus on one point. A lot of the reasons cop kill, cops kill black people is not anything like explicit racism. It's like, oh, I just, I just hate the Negroes. I'm going to go shoot one. It's nothing like that. That's, that's out of fashion. You can't really be that kind of racist out loud anymore. It's programming. You haven't been to the comedy store recently? I there's, avoided it at all costs. They're still up to I, 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 I love that club. I love that club. Um, but no, there's, this, there's the implicit thing. Right. There's this threat, and it's not. It's less about race for many of these cops than it is about their masculinity. Right. And so a lot of what triggers cops, what predicts their use of force, is their insecurity and their own manhood, mm-hmm. basically. And they, that's they're afraid out. of being challenged. But so why, that's psychological but why research. why black people? Because, Be, because America has been telling the world for a couple hundred years that black men will destroy everything you hold dear right. and take all your shit. So and, the statistics for people listening, the statistics, because I've been trying to wrap my brain yeah. around exactly what the statistics on black men versus Latino, three times, it's four, three to four times more likely in a police interaction a black person is to be shot and killed by the cops. And, in, and for a teenager, it's 21 times. Right, I read that as yeah. well. And then once yeah, they yeah. get past that initial gauntlet of the danger of being inter- arrested, yeah. And not even, and that's leaving out the fact that they're often stopped for no reason yeah, because of racial profiling. Once they get past the racial profiling and the arrest, and they live, then they go to court, and they're three times more you likely. You know to why? Be convicted. You know why this is happening, Moshi? Because we're special. <laughs> yeah, we're very special. Neil, what were you? Uh, the I thank you, <laughs> thank you, Bert. I actually uh-huh. think that's true, though. I actually think it is. There is something special about the narrative of white and black America and the fear that black that that. The police has. Well, it goes uh, to the Amir thing. If you can't be a one or a five, you have to, or you can't be a three. You have to be a one or a five. Either they're Michael Jordan or fucking, you know, some piece of garbage that you know. Um, what I'm curious about is, yeah. is do you think that the the thing of, I said this when when Seton was here. Who is this black guy that they're afraid of? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, who? What is it? Like because I, I don't because I said. I, I was talking to my my uh, guy who cuts my hair. He's like from Orange County, gay guy, but like weirdly racist and whatever. And he goes That's like, great. he's like, they resist a lot. I go, I go, they resist a lot. I go, have you ever seen a black guy on a high speed chase? It's mostly white and Latino people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so the idea that they resist a lot is like all of these fallacies come yeah. into play. So, uh, so that, he, let, let me explain let me, them to me if you so, can. So, so the the what I loosely cited earlier about this bias, and there's a guy, Dr. Phil Goff. He's out of UCLA. He's like right around the corner, basically. So this is his work. He runs this thing called the Center for Policing Equity. Y'all, everybody listening, just Google that and support what they do because he's actually working with police departments to make Can them. Can we give less them racist. money? Uh, you can't directly give them money. There's okay. no Kickstarter yet. But I think in terms of what you can do is demand that your police force sign up for stuff like Got this. It. Basically share your data. Let people come in and study your cops. Like if there's, if there's one job you got to be super qualified for, if there's one office space scene that's deserving of what would you say you do here in a situation like that, 
it's the sanctioned killer job of a cop. It's also, yeah, right. though, on on the more cynical side, if there's one job where you can understand an old boys network that wants to cover up information, yeah. it's, it's the police. That. So, so in terms of where it comes we'll from, we'll get to the Bill Cosby thing I, in a little I don't, bit. I hope it's not a great mystery. America has been built on fear of other in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything other like Irish other like mm-hmm. even same skin tone they're terrible yeah. they're scary they're violent they're freckles drunk, right so if you have freckles and you can't get by like yeah. what the fuck if you have melanin like full yeah. on and, and the country's mystique was around this threat of black masculinity and that's persisted through Jim Crow through lynch mobs through the original sin of slavery through police profiling and criminal injustice and the whole incarceration and the, like lockup industry so uh, there's not like when you talk about your barber, I think he's just internalized what the country's been teaching all of us, not just white people. Right. I'm afraid of black people, like not consciously, yeah. but I live in the same world. I've been watching the same media. I've been listening to the same bullshit for 30 something years. Right. We are affected by our environment. That's what this is. And our environment is poison. Yeah. So do you feel like there's an antidote? I mean, do you Drugs. have hope? I mean, that might literally lots be. and lots of drugs. Well, no, I that think is that's actually been tried. What, that's actually, I think that's been tried for the last sixty years. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's actually literally true. That is yeah, why that's people. What, yeah. That is why people yes. take drugs to the, blot there, out the intolerable nature is, of their current situation. There is an antidote. Let me. I feel like I'm like the academic in residence here. Um, oh, you want to start dropping jokes? But there's. Uh, but this is not. Well, some of this there's funny angles on this, but let we'll me talk just, pussy let me just, any second. <laughs> let me just, pussy's oh, you not trying funny. to talk pussy? That's, oh, you want to talk pussy? Oh, Playboy, <laughs> Playboy, Playboy. Oh, okay. Hello. We, we don't seen, even got to do hello. all. This. Yeah, we didn't want to discuss <laughs> we the police at all. all. We figured we you did. Gotta, we was doing this for you, dog. <laughs> oh, okay. No, now what's your we what's your dick game? You were feeling something. Yeah. I was like, let him feel, and then we're getting some some real pimp talk, uh, some street, some real greasy street shit right after that. I'm all fucking fired up right now. So, what's the antidote? Here's here's some of the antidote. Uh, one of the things that this guy again, Dr. Phil Goff, found in a case of a pursuit. You were talking about high speed chases. So, because of cops, insecure men often. Not every cop is feeling this, but the one, the dangerous ones are. You're chasing some kid, right? You're already annoyed that this kid's making your fat ass run. Right, you got all your gear on, you weigh yep. extra things, you gotta carry a clipboard, you're running in shoes that aren't meant to be running. So by the time you catch up to him, you're extra pissed. You're yes. adrenaline's pumping. And your adrenaline's pumping, that's a big one. And here's the rule the lead pursuer does not lay hands on the suspect. Somebody else steps in and does that. You prevent him from moving, but you're you're unreasonable. You're in a crazed state, basically. And you need to calm the fuck down. That's police procedure. You're that saying? no, that that is that is suggested police procedure. Got it. That is being introduced in departments that don't want to be racist. Fuck. So you got to kind of do the uh, like basketball. You could do yeah, box him out. Box him out. Sure. So so the box out technique is one possibility. There's another case. I think it just it could apply because I don't think we're damned to like just be a shitty country forever. I just I couldn't wake up every morning if I honestly believe that. Today I feel that. But I can't feel that every day. So way back in the day, Boston, one of these symphony orchestras, totally different kind of divide, but a similar stereotype. All the lead violinists were men. And the groups are complaining, like, yeah, why don't you have any women violinists? And like, oh, well, we have an open audition process and our judges, you know, listen to everybody fairly. And it turns out men are just stronger. These right? hoes can't play violin? Exa- in other words, these hoes ain't loyal um to their <laughs> to practice the to the violin <laughs> so it just must be something about men that's just naturally better violinist so they say okay let's test that out let us put a curtain 
in front of the auditioner so you can't see them. You can only I I hear them. This. Yeah. And all of a sudden, magically, women are getting hired. It was like three to three. It was it was like sixty percent. It's much more. Women even. were like so. They yeah. finally determined that women can play violin really well behind curtains. And so yeah. now you don't see any. I believe a woman. Episode. So they they it's the Muslim Symphony Orchestra, <laughs> right? Correct? Right. He jobs for all. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely they can play behind <laughs> curtains, but I mean in person. Then they get scared because they can see the audience. No, but so so put the lesson there is. We have to protect ourselves from our own ignorance. Right. Because the, we can't be trusted with all the information because we've been corrupted by the environment. So we've got to isolate it. But the bigger pro- a bigger problem yeah. or a big problem is that people don't actually even acknowledge that that ignorance exists. Yeah. Well, it's hard to – I mean we've also been raised on it like we're number one and America is the fucking greatest and we can do no wrong. So it's hard to like believe all that, right? But I and then I, look at the numbers and be like, "Oh, that can't be the same country because that's the greatest." Wait, we're sixteenth like in in the American dream. Yeah, like no, exactly. dream. we literally we're, are. We're number eighty in being number one. Like, yeah, that, it, yeah. So that's kind of what the, the the nonsense of it is. Yes, yeah. I I see the posts on my Facebook news feed. You got to stop doing that first. Just of all. stop looking. Just stop. Just. But, hole it's, in the but there's no part of me that thinks that there's you know when I see this ignorant post that yeah. there's some dude going like. You know, fuck this. I'm going to make up a thing and I'm going to put up some bullshit to prove a point. They believe strongly what they're posting, you know? know Uh, What I would say is the people that are posting on on Facebook and members of the clan even are not influential people. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like they're not – now the problem becomes a guy like Rush Limbaugh. A guy who actually is is uh, influential and is a is a scumbag about this stuff. And Bill O'Reilly and all yeah, these Bill people O'Reilly, that are yeah, saying, no, all yeah. these people that are Adam they, Adam, yeah. they just did this thing on the the Daily Show last night about you know Larry Wilmore was talking about like this I, this argument that is oh well what about black on black crime how come no one's talking about that it's like what kind of red herring we're not yeah. talking that's not the subject at hand. Well, first yeah. like we are like people <laughs> right. you're you're not right, but people in the, those communities have been talking about that for decades. Second of all, that's a whole nother thing because it's not every black person's job to protect and serve, right? Yeah, it's not it, every precisely. black person's job to yeah. be paid by the state yes, to right. carry a weapon that you've been trained to use by the state to hide behind a shield of protection provided by the state to make the community safer. So it's a different responsibility. All crime is bad. Crime by crime fighters is worse. Right. It's but also, I, It's also an amazing hustle to shoot someone, an unarmed person, and then someone says, hey, why'd you do that? Be like, hey, did you hear about that other person <laughs> over there that Don't did be, it? yeah. Like, what, you know oh, who you need to worry about. Yeah, oh, that guy's really dangerous. Well, that's yeah. there is a certain amount of that, I think, in any any... I feel like... The way South Africa had a reconciliation committee, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, the Hutus and Tutsis did in Rwanda. And the truth and, and South and, Africa and, did. And South Africa did also. Yeah. I feel like America needs some of that because there is yeah. so much. We're not doing shit until you do something. And then the other side says the same thing. Yeah. But no one's ever going to do what they had the, the humility to do in South Africa, which is that everybody says, here's what we did wrong. Well, and, and just to add some examples, it's not just. Nations in Africa. It's not just Rwanda. It's not just yeah. Germany. Is an amazing case of a I country like where you're going with this. that's totally fucked up, right? <laughs> in what way? Um, you know, techno? just the cars that they've been making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the techno a, music is very repetitive. <laughs> that austerity thing. Have they you seen Munich? Hard, they yeah. went too far on it. So yeah, so this country, you know, had to contend with just massive grave sin. Right. Right. America has committed a massive, several massive grave sins. Germany went above and beyond. They, like, restricted their military power. Japan, you know, too. And, and, like, there are examples 
outside of this country on how you recover from being an asshole. Yeah, but that on exact, a massive level, that exact thing contravenes the narrative of the United States. That is the one thing we cannot ever do and continue to be the, the United States. So we think we are. Yeah, but the fa- you remember know. when they wanted they, they wouldn't apologize for slavery yeah. on the floor like, exactly. of Congress? It's like you won't fucking even apologize. <laughs> it was slavery. Yeah, yeah but, not I, even... but I didn't. But I didn't have the slaves. So why yeah, that was the other. Why are you bringing up old stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, bring, what about the black on black crime, though? Exactly. <laughs> uh, That's still happening. Slavery's done, but black yeah, people yeah, still yeah. killing black well, people. Well, I think I, I will take responsibility for ending slavery, but not for being involved. <laughs> I have a theory that I'm trying to formulate into a joke, which is a lot of times one of the things that white people are afraid of black people is that is what black people represent karmically. Yeah. Oh, so you know what absolutely. I mean? Like chickens oh, coming the fuck. Yeah, like the roost. oh fuck. <laughs> so my car, I better, there's my karma coming up. I better yeah. cross the street. Like when I you almost wrong like, somebody. You avoid them. Yeah, like I almost feel like when white people get mugged, they should be like, "I knew this day would come." <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, I, like is look, this a I, down payment on reparations? Yeah, like, I had this coming. You yeah. guys take whatever you want. I actually just went to the ATM hoping you'd find me. Well, you don't. Also, you don't see in the in the American narrative. You don't see our obsession with uh, Mexican banda music or you know or. Or Jewish, you yeah. know, klezmer. It's like it's this sort of fear and obsession at the same Adulation, time. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, that it's one a, five thing again. It's a real, it's a real pickle we got ourselves in. A real little racist pickle. Pickle. Now you're speaking my language. I was trying to relate to you. My culturally, culturally, I feel like how do I communicate <laughs> with this? I don't author? understand. I don't. Oh, pickles. Yeah, yes. and the fact that people don't. You know, the other thing that makes me sick is that white people think that black people are predisposed to want to do crime. Pre, like, come out of the chute. Yeah. Genetically. Genetically wanting to fuck something up, which is like, are you, but they, I, I honestly, you know, that I really believe white people think that. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's what they've been taught. You know, every problem, not every problem, 98.6% of the problems in the world, mm-hmm. he's like, how could people believe that? Because they were raised by their parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We just learn what the fuck is around us. And if you add, like, narrow media on top of that that keeps repeating this, and to your point about Rush Limbaugh, Bill O'Reilly, so there's a whole industry of manufactured, you know, outrage yeah. over bullshit that is very profitable and very successful. But it's it's crazy. It's so like- it, it makes sense. It's not a good thing, but it's not... To me, it's not crazy. It actually is very logical. But there's a cognitive dissonance that happens to your point, Neil, which is like uh, this narrative that like black people are infused with with cr- crime in their DNA, and we're ignoring the fact like if any of that is true culturally, we program the genome. You know, oh, like, that's we, we the set other thing. The whole thing oh, in yeah, that's like, what uh, I, Ian Edwards did that joke where he's like. He's like, we learned it from y'all. Yeah, we right. learned it from watching you. Like, no, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like no one. Special. Yeah, like no you one. You are right. Yeah, I nobody ever. You. Yeah, nobody ever. Like, I don't. You know, it was we. We are the original sinners in this case, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it, it it would take a lot to. I don't think we can get very far without acknowledging some common facts, right? That history matters, basically. Like, just in general, like be real loose about it. It's like you know how we have cars. There were people who made shit happen well before we were born, and that's how we got them. So we see how we're benefiting and affected by some shit that happened before we were born. Can we just agree that things that happened before we were born affect us? But see, that's the exact— And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, like the peanut. Like that, they figured that out before me. I'm, I'm living with that every day. So maybe racism, too. Like, you know, we can work our way up to that. We can't start there because people get all touchy. 
but clearly history matters. I don't, I don't share your optimism. I just feel like acknowledging <laughs> history is the one thing America can never do. That is the, that is the primary but thing if, that we will not if, and cannot but, do. What if we make it dance and, and rhyme? Oh, And, and put nice. sugar and double bacon fry. Can I ask you this? If it's dancing and rhyming, can it be a white person, like a white bl- blonde lady? Yes. Yeah. sounds... No, like, she 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 was she's Australian. Like, let's she say she was Australian-ish. Okay, Aussie-ish. Right. But if if you had the right messenger, okay, right, <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, then I think people would listen. Can she can she look like a tall blonde model? Absolutely. Can she look like like our <laughs> ideal selves? I think sure, that fine. it has gotten better, right? And I actually think social media is, is helping and will help the way it helped in the Middle East and in Iran and Egypt and stuff. But I guess I'm curious as to like. It's gonna take so fucking long. So here's 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 what here, this is this is actually a bone I got to pick with uh, with our expectations, right? So we we set up a system that's been around for a couple hundred years. We have shitty parents raising shitty kids, raising shitty kids, raising shitty kids forever, and then we're like, you know what? Let's just flip the switch. We're good, right? Like we're good. It's like no, we're not. That's good. the thing that you know. We I was spent thinking- hundreds of years being bad. One day being good doesn't undo. There's like karmic debt. Yeah. To to your point. And it's America, in this case it's not just karmic. America like had slavery for almost half of its life. Yeah. So we're we're not we still we're still digging out of the hole. Yeah. Basically. We can't start building new shit until we like we're not even back at ground zero. There's also the idea karma. that people like white people don't know about redlining. White people don't know about Jim Crow really. Like there there needs to be some kind of remedial education program. But that's a thing that <laughs> never will be. No, but again, if if Macklemore is the professor. Right. Right. Then maybe people right. will listen. That's the you know it's the the argument of the other argument and that, Taylor that Swift. People on the right give you is like, well, why you know uh, Latinos they they don't do crime or Asians don't do crime. They just get in there and they study and that's part of their culture. And it's like, okay, you know how their it, their grandparents came here <laughs> and remember they, those boats? remember those people yeah. <laughs> their grandparents arrived here they wanted to come here and they had a culture which goes back thousands of years how old is black american culture here here is um here's that's a good point i'm gonna i mean it's through four or five generations it's it's made up right it's it's yeah it's it's ad hoc yes it's created and that there's from horror by yeah. the way. No, and, but that's not, the American thing. It's like, oh, no, we did that, too. It's like, no, but you weren't forced to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's the difference. So so I want to come back to this messenger point because I think I have a perfect idea that could solve the whole thing. Oh, great. Taylor Swift Love did this, it. this record-setting album, 1989. She should drop various years. 1889. Do albums that educate people on what's yeah. up. That's depressing. Is that years. that would work? Kind of. It would do. It wouldn't hurt. That sucks. It wouldn't it hurt. Would take. It would take that. For I America's mean, that's how I learned about Stephen Biko was through Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, and Lady Smith, Black Mambazo. Yeah. yeah. And all that shit. There was a song where they said Biko over and over yeah. again. And and that's that's why I learned that bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks was from Snoop Dogg. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it's a shared storytelling. No, exactly, exactly. This is like we need to know our history. But what do you make of that generational thing? Like do they and like that's the thing that white people don't understand. Like it, it was in Tanahisi's, you know, mm-hmm. in his Atlantic piece explaining <laughs> like explaining, like, oh no, this has been bad. Yeah. And it was bad. Chris Rock says that there was racism, basically, like, virulent racism until the Jackson 5. 
which I, I like I that was before my time, so I don't really yeah. know. But so but the idea that yeah. somehow it's just, it's been over since 1864. Yeah, no, in one piece of paper. Yeah, in one form. But you know, there's. I mean, you know, think about this. Maybe that maybe America will again. We we don't start with slavery. That's just okay. Bringing up old shit. But when you talk about how hard it is to change, Americans can't even, like, stick to diets, mm-hmm. right? We can't, like, walk yeah. up a flight of stairs. We can't stop eating bullshit, and we want to. And we come yeah. up with a new diet fed. It's Atkins. It's South Beach. It's Paleo. It's some new thing, and we're constantly searching for ways to be better, and we're constantly failing at controlling our own bodies and a 10-point spread of weight within that. So if we can't even stop eating fucking double fried nacho cheese dip, mm-hmm. how are we going to think it's so easy to flip a switch on a piece of paper and undo decades and centuries of horror? Okay. So, so it's so going to take forever. I, I, <laughs> I don't want <laughs> How did I become the hopeful person? I came in here pissed off and deflated. I know. Now I'm trying to make America feel better about itself. Maybe America should feel shitty for a while. But what I'm curious about, it's yeah. like what choice does America have but denial? All right. Do you know what I mean? Like, there it's is, so entrenched. There is another way. Uh, maybe, maybe there's not another way, but maybe there's another uh, there's another reason. Like, why should people do this? Right? Why should we care? And Americans do stuff because it makes them money. Right. Right. That's a proven motivator. Mm-hmm. Greed wiped out a whole fucking crew of people that were already here. And has allowed us to do all kinds of fun things. You're talking about the Native American crew. Uh, that is who I was referring to. If we can make it, make it profitable, to be less shitty, right? Like part of America's been able to to ride as, in this number one position economically for a while because nobody could mess with us. Like China was still recovering from the Mao thing. Japan, we bombed them. This is Smithereens. Europe, mm-hmm. Germany, we're fighting well. wars yeah. over and over and over. So while the rest of the world was sleeping, fighting each other. Said America's like, yo, we have industry. We're going to extract these resources. We're going to get mad rich. And China's now on the come up. Brazil's, you know, messing around. India just sent some people to space. And we were like mocking them. Like, India sent people to space? Yeah, we're fucking around. We don't even have a space shuttle program. India's sending people to space. So while America fucks around being stupid and racist and locking people up who have brilliant ideas, the rest of the world's like, okay, you guys do that. You go right ahead and like throw away half your population relatively speaking, you know, just leave all these great ideas on the table and we're going to go run. We're just going to go run it. And I think there's something to the idea that to compete, to stay rich, to get more money, we have to bring more people with us to the table. We have to include more folks in that process. And we're going to have to realize like, oh shit, we did all this and made all this money while we were horrible. Imagine what we could do if we were good. Do you see China and India and Brazil and all these places as proof that "quote unquote" being good is profitable? Because honestly, no. what you just said doesn't isn't compelling enough. Yeah, well, I tried. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think. But that, you know what I mean? Though it's just yeah. like not. It's like that's not that. Well, they got the people that really give a fuck about getting rich have gotten rich. They don't give a shit, and they did it by a. They did it with free black labor, and now they're doing it with incredibly cheap Mexican labor and incredibly cheap Chinese I guess, labor. I guess what I'm saying is. The system that produced American wealth doesn't really work anymore. It works increasingly well for a decreasing amount of people. Mm-hmm. And that is a recipe for disaster. That's not just protest in the streets. That's the whole shit falling apart. Yeah. Because there's just too many people suffering. And that goes, that's beyond race. But it's race is a piece of it, right? It's the race and class thing. So 
if so long as most of America was doing generally okay, we could forgive all the exploitation and oppression, generally speaking. Once that stops happening, once it's just so flagrantly foul, like we've seen in the past two weeks, but on everything, like the money's only going to one guy named Bob, really? That's not the America that I was taught to believe in. That shit doesn't work even for me, says a poor white person. Yeah. Then we may have some chances to be like, okay, so what do we have to do? Because for the money part, there ha- it has been proven in many areas that like more diverse teams actually make more money because they're more in touch. We're selling to the world now. You can't just sell to a bunch of white people anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough money. Well, that's what I was thinking about the the narrative about the the riot, rioting that was happening in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. It's like we have these sort of stories that were being told being told that it's it's just common sense to say rioting is negative and awful and bad. But it's like if you look at history, riots. It's the only thing that shit it works. Shit only done. people pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's it, an alarm. There's exactly. something about, yeah. and I've said this I think on the show before. There's something about a human body. That freaks other humans out. Where they're like, if people could write a million petitions, yeah. But if there's, but if you physically if show you're up, physically there, so like, there's you something walked about away from Facebook for this. Yeah, there's something care. about violence. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe how fucking violent we are. We're I was so thinking violent. about that the other day. Like, what if you don't like if the Indians? The Indians were basically like. Well, what, what, we're not that violent. Well, some of them were. Some <laughs> of them, some many of them were, were but, yeah. uh, but, like, but they were less efficient in their violence. Right. They they had the, yeah, well, the that's the thing. It's like they just weren't as good at it. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing. You have like, to master violence. violence in right. America. Yes. Violence turned up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you guys have violence? We have violence with steel attached yeah. to it. Yeah. So, you, so we, you have to master violence almost before anything else, before you can even <laughs> exist, which is so crazy yeah. to me. Like. You have to be violent. Like you, you, those are the terms. The terms are, I will fuck you up yeah, if you don't give me what I want. And everybody keeps citing, oh, but what about Gandhi? What about Martin Luther King? It's like these are great teachers, but they don't, they're not in charge of the current situation. These are people that had information to, to give over. But there's, th- that's not what's happening right now. There, there's more happening right now. There is more happening right now. And, and uh, this, is, this is interesting. Well, yeah, we are getting fucking super philosophical. I'm not complaining. I'm just like just thinking about it. The idea that violence only as is the way the world's been influenced. I don't think that's true. I think large amounts of violence have created a lot of change, sometimes for better, oftentimes for worse. But a lot of what happened in the U.S. wasn't like there was an initial armed revolution, right? The Revolutionary War. Yep. But most of the other revolutions in this country were relatively nonviolent, right, including the black one. Yeah. Like we didn't mm-hmm. actually as black people pick up machetes and start yeah. beheading white people. Yeah. Right. A few slave rebellions did that. Yeah. A handful like Black Panthers. Not cool guys. Guns not the all the Black Panthers did was show yeah. people And that guns. was just – that was more self-defense. Right. right. It wasn't rolling up into the suburbs just like kidnapping and shooting white people being like we want our, we want our 40 acres. So – and a lot has changed because of that. I think there's – like violent rebellion also has a backlash, and there's probably someone way smarter who studied this stuff. Like, so what's been the long term effect of a violent overthrow mm-hmm. in in a hundred years? What's what's what is the what does it look like? And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I think looting and riots is good. Yeah. I'm just saying that they're there's no more. There's just no moral equivalent. It just it's like sometimes it does. Stonewall was a is looked at as the defining moment of the gay rights movement. Well, that was a riot. Yeah. That wasn't like people like you know singing songs in the in the in the village that was people kicking shit down yeah so sometimes it works that's the 
<laughs> this podcast brought I, to you by but, violence. Yeah, sometimes but it works. Like, I don't know <laughs> what people are, should fucking do. Right. I so, don't yeah. fucking know. Because obviously, I just saw the rot and the looting and whatever. To me, it's like maybe 40 people. Yeah. No, out of and, thousands. And yeah, maybe 40 people, probably not from Ferguson. And uh, they, they're they just fucking dickheads. But guess and, what? And, Tonight, this, this. But I also think that, I'm sorry, to, it's a flashpoint yeah. of anguish. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, well, what else can we do? And also, yeah, and how many people like punch the wall when they get angry and they inflict some damage on their own yeah. property and just on a much smaller scale? Charles Barkley they... calls those people scumbags. And tonight Charles in Barkley. New York, um, uh, and an, it's hard to say more flagrant, but maybe a more flagrant yeah. violation. Well, because we have seen of the it, system, right? Because exactly. of the video, it's it's more personal to it's, everyone. It's uh, it's worse. And in New York, there are pretty at this point there are pretty much nonviolent protests, yeah. and the media is loosely and lightly paying attention to it whereas when there's a little caesar's on fire i see you know non-stop coverage with split screen yeah. you know we yeah. don't, no incitement to violence while they're like looking come on give me violence give me violence here is it's back to what to do back to what to do neil this is um i think a lot of us are disconnected from the shit that happens in our name right we vaguely like give lip service to this idea of law enforcement but most people have no interaction. Like maybe you get a speeding ticket. Maybe you get a phone call once a year during the holidays to give to the fraternal order or buy some special stamps. Maybe you see some ceremony when the, a cop is killed, which is really, really rare actually. But you see some motorcade or you see everybody wearing their brass and the mayor makes a statement. Or there's a big drug bust on TV. Like most people, for good reason, don't have a lot of encounters with law enforcement because most people don't do shit to invite it. And they're not the target either. But those people are working for us, right? They yeah, are no, us. Absolutely. These are our employees. In the same way that the president is an employee and a member of Congress and everybody else who our taxes support. So they're also our responsibility. And whether it's L.A. has a commission that oversees the police and who runs that and what's your voice on that, whether it's looking at citizen review boards like New York City has. These are just things I, of the places I live that I happen to know. Every place has some kind of check on the system and I think we all have to be a, a lot more involved because clearly we can't trust the system to police itself. Yeah. And, and electing one mayor to do it is never it's, – it's just too much to ask. It's just too much to ask. Who, who is getting recruited? What is their training? Do we, we don't even track some of the things that are happening with our money. If we're paying for it, I want all some the data. Of, none of right? – well, I mean I'm not tracking any of it. And, we, and then we're – then you add – this is the fun part. Oh, also tanks and bazookas. Yeah. Right. Oh, just throwing oh, them at the police. From the yeah. federal government for like 30 years. You want an Abrams? You know, you want an armor personnel carrier and like all this riot gear and, and drones go forth and like encouraging yeah. already undercurring, like it, un yeah. relatively untrained people with known bodies. We're giving tacit approval. Yeah. But I know, so, so we can, but we can attach strings. Like we are very good when we want to of attaching strings to these things. It's like, oh, you want a tank? I want a tank. But guess what? I have to pass some tests that prove I'm not an asshole mm -hmm. before I get the tank. Yeah. See, I kind of reject the idea that the police are there to serve us at this point. I think that at this point, the police are, are mostly there to preserve the order, the, the stratified order that our, demo our so-called democracy is now, you know, 
it's not about that. It used to be when we started and now slowly but surely like with corporate interests and with maintaining – like I think that the government looked at the 60s and said never again. Yeah. They might not have said it out loud but they, they sort of subconsciously said never again. Yeah. There's got to be a system in place that will make sure people are distracted enough and fat enough and powerless enough that that kind of thing will never happen again. And so far I feel like it hasn't. I agree with the results of all that. And there was – you know, you said it wasn't said out loud. In some ways it was. People like Nixon right, right. did. You know, and part of the reason that drugs became an issue politically was because of black rebellions around the country. Like criminalizing large gatherings, criminalizing black movement in general. It's like what can we do with all these black bodies? Oh, I know. Prison. Right? And let's, like, that's over-policing largely began in response to the civil rights movement. And, and a lot of these freedom struggles in the U.S. So some of it is conscious. Is that relatively proven? Yeah. Okay. I think a recommendation, uh, The New Jim Crow, which I don't right. know if it's on Audible, but a woman named Michelle Alexander yeah. wrote no, a No, it's study. the book that I have to read and I haven't read. Yeah, it's, it's called The New Jim Crow. Yeah. I have it on my bookshelf too. It's a tough – it's a tough uh, – it's, it's a little academic, right? be angry yeah. sad at Got the it. end of that. Uh, I have a recommendation as yeah. well, Bastards of the Party, the documentary. That's on, on Netflix and is an easy watch. But it's a little microcosm of that. Yeah. It's basically how the Bloods and Crips were founded in Los Angeles, and they both came from black, uh, you know, local governance groups. Like, and the the police went in, s- s- divide and conquered, mm. and then you know, thirty years later, you had Bloods and Crips shooting each other, and they didn't even know, they weren't even aware of why of the they existed. Yeah, it's yeah. super fascinating. Yeah, yeah one that's of the best great documentaries I've seen. Yeah. Um. So, so I think there's a there's a really there's a difference between like what a system is designed to do, and what people want to do and i think part of the challenge when you get people kind of like resistant to talk about stuff like this or acknowledge the history is because they feel like they're being personally assigned blame and like negative intention right when it's really the system is designed to produce these results and we're all part of it and that's the that's the tricky thing it's that i don't think of the however let's say there's a thousand cops in america just for like a nice round number it's probably five thousand cops right in all the country but let's say you got i don't think a thousand guys go in being like, I'm here to preserve the status quo. Like I'm here to right, maintain right, the right. hegemony. Like mm-hmm. nobody thinks that, <clears throat> but that's, that's the function. That's how you're rewarded. That's mm-hmm. how you're incentivized. That's what gets encouraged versus discouraged. But, and a, a lot of cops, vast majority, I'm sure do good. Like they care. They want to make their neighborhood safe. They see a problem. They want to solve it. They want to help some old lady across the street. They want to actually fight crime. They're sick of neighborhoods being preyed upon by criminals. All that's They're Batman. Real. They're, they're they're and they have utility belts, so that's, that's how you know. They actually do have utility belts. Are, is every cop Batman? It could be. I yeah. wish. Um, so, I'm surprised so I by think the individual amount of... thing is important, but the system is what needs to be adjusted because it's not individual people running up in the system. Be like, I want to be a dick today. I'm surprised by the amount of activism that's coming out of this because I said a good probably way. a year ago here, I don't think people would do shit. I think. Cable, yeah. video games, the internet. It's fucking comfortable. Yeah. Um, but but the discomfort is growing. Yeah. Well, right? yeah, exactly. When you, when you, when you, the few moments you leave the house, yeah. you get shot or hemmed up. And it's just way. harder it's like, to, it feels harder to ignore. Yeah. I think right. well, a lot of stuff, like it just ebbs and flows too. Like there are moments of like relative calm or passivity, mm-hmm. right? We're just like, yeah, there's a lot of injustice, but. Right. Well, yeah. Netflix, like, you yes. know what I mean? Like, or I'm just tired from working all day. I don't have time to fight for justice, too. On top of that, I'm sure in general, America has felt like we've had moments of great 
a progress and moments of just like, what are we doing right now? Yeah, yeah people so, have to be hungry. I feel like there's a resurgence possibly coming back. And I think the money has a, has a big part to do with it because the bargain's not working out. I think the bargain was like, yeah, we're going to oppress y'all. But look, you get nice shit. Right. You get to be right? lower middle class. You get, you get you, to, everybody yeah. gets a working toilet. You get some basic health care. Right. Like, you get a job. You get maybe get some overtime. But when I sign on to WorldStar and I see a man being murdered, yeah. You're like, you that's go, not, that's not what you said I could have. That's not part of the deal. And I'm making less money than my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going the wrong way. Yeah. I'll take that beating if I'm doing better than my parents. Mm-hmm. But that bargain's falling apart. So I was like, oh, it I'm also, not even getting the good new Nintendo either. That's the that's the fucked up part is it feels like somebody, Andrew Secunda, I believe, comedy writer today wrote like two black, two different black guys were shot, were murdered over stolen tobacco. Yeah. That sounds like it's from the 1700s. Yeah. That's really crazy. And that, but it's and from 2014. It's from really the future. Crazy. It's from laser spaceship yeah. time. <laughs> um, this is laser spaceship. This, this is we laser live spaceship. Only in India, though, where they've sent a man la- to yeah. the moon. We live in, in laser spaceships. But you yeah. know what? The Indian the Indian space program is not as sophisticated as you think. It's just every human in India standing on each other's shoulders, and they can actually get to space. And that's what I call grassroots innovation. You know what? I wanted that joke to be more racist. <laughs> oh, setting it up. Wait, wait, wait. I got to say. Diarrhea awning each other all I was, the way down okay. the I was, okay. braced. I was braced for horror as well. Yeah, I wanted It was an overpopulation joke, wasn't it? And I gotta say, it was like, yeah, it was. Too... I was just like, oh, India has a lot of people. Yeah, like, oh, that's, that's they, they're all idiots. That's oh, like no, a, no, everybody on the in the pyramid that's is an idiot. That's a fact-based joke. That's like really well grounded. <laughs> you could, Moshe, you could have done a tech support joke. I'm sorry, there's a lot of yeah. shit you left. I could have broken ground with an Indian tech support. Joke. Yeah, yeah, come on, yes. You could have added to the great canon. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's actually what they call that human pyramid. There the you go. Canon. The great <laughs> So, all right. Well, let me just – let's talk about you as a, sure, as a guy and a showman. Um, as a showman. The thing that I've never – all right. What the fuck is this comedy hack day? Sure. Sure. Because the, I always see you post about it yeah. and I don't know what it is. You right. thought it was about you, And I don't know you, anyone right? that's in it. I assumed it was about me. Yeah. I assumed it was built around your India spaceship <laughs> show. Um, it was a day dedicated to figuring out what went wrong <laughs> wait, before, with your Indian spaceship Wait. Before we get into that, I want to say to Never the, listeners, again. the listeners of last week's episode, I did a throwaway joke about how my mom wanted to hear, wanted to hear anything. I've never received so many tweets. One person – they like no, no, no. I got I, you weren't included because they know you're a bully. Oh, and if you were yeah, included, yeah. you would have made fun of me. <laughs> I never received so much support for such a small joke. I want to tell the listeners of the champs, thank you very much. I don't need I Neil to laugh at all of the jokes, and I appreciate your support. I, that one, I don't think I was boycotting. I think I just didn't hear it. Yeah, which is ironic. There were some jokes today that I straight up boycotted. And oh, I, yeah. I just straight up boycotted jokes. You're one of the most supportive co hosts in this room. Well, I'm not going to be like Robin Quivers. <laughs> I'm not going to be like Robin Quivers. I consider giggling. myself quite supportive. Thank you. Yeah. So, so let me answer these questions that you have. Comedy hack day. Um, for, for those listening and don't even know the context of the question, when I left The Onion two and a half years ago, I started a company with some friends called Cultivated Wit. Idea, let's do funny things with tech, smash them together, see what could happen. One of the things we do is get comedians and software developers together to build funny apps. Those are generally called hackathons. Or hack days, we added comedy to the mix because those are not very entertaining, though they can sometimes produce some interesting stuff. But what if you could take a joke that's just words into a microphone like this one and let people interact with it? So we've done it in New York, Boston, L.A. this weekend, San Francisco in the past. We'll probably end up in Chicago and a few other cities in the future. And the types of things people have made, so out of New York, uh, one of the apps is called Excuse Me. 
It gives you an excuse to be late to a meeting or an appointment by talking directly to Google Maps and all the city data to justify your lateness. You're like, I think I'm going to be 20 minutes late to work today. I need a good excuse. Oh, it turns out the R train is delayed? Great. It'll route you through a delay so you can show your boss, look, the R train was fucked up. I'm sorry I'm late. Right now, that's a joke, but it's actually a joke you can touch. Right. So it leaves the stage. It leaves audio. It leaves the written word. And now thousands of people can play that joke in, in their real lives. There is another one that lets you, like, cite things that aren't true and prove it using Wikipedia. So if your friend says something totally untrue, like, America's always uh, – there were five black presidents before Obama. You're like, you never heard of that? No, never heard of that. Chat, I'm checking Wikipedia right now. You're actually adding it to Wikipedia in that moment. As you Google it, it yeah. adds something to Wikipedia. And it adds your search <laughs> to a copy of a Wikipedia page. You show your friend at the bar right there on Wikipedia – so again, both of it's those all are, about lying. Those yeah, are, those yeah, are both, a lot of lying technology. Those are both deception on. models. There's the one where you can murder somebody, yeah. and it tells. And then you blame the it on a black yeah, guy, yeah, and yeah, the cops yeah, yeah. come and in. They yeah. locate okay. the nearest black guy and blame it on him. So, so that's the basic idea. It's like, how do we take jokes and make them more than that? How do we make them more interactive? How do we take tech, which is like really cold, often super analytical, not very human? And add some art back into that. It's uh, funny that you mentioned tech being cold and analytical because I was thinking as you were saying this, like that you're very optimistic in our talk, in, in our just our what we were talking about yeah. with race and stuff. And I feel like inherent in technology is a kind of optimism, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's always going to get better. It's all we're yeah, always going to discover. Progress is like built in. So there, yeah. I, I I don't know if there's anything there, but it feels like that's that there's something in that, like within that technological sort of constantly finding new stuff is a kind of innate optimism. There, there, I mean, partly it's just speed. Like we just do things fast. We have robots doing stuff that people used to do. And there's a form of progress. There's also like job losses and, and stuff associated with that. But uh, so, so th- that's just comedyhackday.org. If I can just drop that URL. If you missed the one in LA this weekend, there's always another one coming up. And again, comedians, designers, we've had like Reggie Watts has been a judge for this. We've had prizes from Hannibal. There's people who've been on your show who have been a part of this. And it's a new weird thing. And, and hack in the comedy world is like a weird word to use. Because like, oh, is this a bad joke festival? Yeah. And, and so it has nothing to do with that. It's more about like making jokes more interactive and more interesting. But if people yeah. are in L.A. and are listening, can they come? To yeah, they, space you can this come weekend? this weekend. So go to ComedyHackDay.org. There are tickets available. They're very, very, very low cost. I mean, maybe like 10 bucks. We got uh, these YouTube comedy guys, Rhett and Link, are judging. Felicia Day and Troy Carter, who runs uh, Adam Factory here in town, used to be Lady Gaga's manager. Those are our judges. We have a lot of comics signed up to come. Folks from the UCB community, stand-up world, sketch uh, and TV writers from the area. And a lot of the good nerdy developer designer types. So 6 p.m. Sunday, December 7th, comedyhackday.org at YouTube Space LA and Playa Vista, Los Angeles. All right. So that's the edit out point. So we take all of that <laughs> URL stuff, all the advertising right. out. Okay. Then we all come right. back in. Great. So, right. we're so back. That's, so that's because of racism, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So you went to Harvard. I did. And you grew up in Atlanta? D.C. D.C. Yeah, Washington, D.C. Uh, City. And you went, you weren't on the Harvard Lampoon? No, I was on the Harvard Crimson, the newspaper. Okay. Yeah. And then how did you get involved in The Onion? I applied for a job. Great. Um, I started doing stand-up at the comedy studio in, in Cambridge, uh, above the Hong oh, the Kong Chinese, Chinese restaurant. restaurant. That's yeah. a great little club. Have you it's, been there? No, I've heard about it's it. It's cool. Obviously. It's fun. I just did a set there recently. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Rick Jenkins and what they got. It's a great history. It's, uh, Eugene came out of there. Yep. A, lot, a lot of great folks. Uh, and I'm kind of in the same class uh, and era as, like, as Mike Kaplan, Josh Gondelman, and folks mm-hmm. like that. So I uh, started doing stand-up back in 02, open mic stuff. Uh, adult learning center stand-up comedy class let me try this out. i've been writing comedy 
on my own satirical news stuff or a newsletter, blogging comedically. And so I started doing stand-up back in 02 and then got fed up with Boston over time, which is programmed to do. That's like a As natural a black res- man, you have res- to. That's a natural response right. to Boston. And I got <laughs> Overtime is like an afternoon, right? Yeah, right. I got a, it was oh, eight okay. years I, in my case. It but. was from the terminal to the exit <laughs> of the I'm, I'm, a, I'm a more optimistic guy, you heard, right, so I have a higher right, tolerance right, right. level for Boston than the most black men. Um, but I, I, I did have some you know, great time in that city. I love to shit on Boston, but I also love to love Boston. And left in 07 because I needed to to grow in a different way. I was like, do I come to L.A.? Do I go to New York? My comedy mentor, this guy Tim McIntyre, was like, I don't care. You just have to get out of here. Like, you're ready. You should go. And so I went to New York. With I kept the job I had, but I just I need to be around more people like me doing this this fun, creative thing and writing. The job you had, you worked for like Smith, but you worked for a, a financial company? I did. I did. I worked for a business consulting company yeah. focused on telecommunications, internet strategy, media. I was basically like a business analyst person. Oh, so yeah. you're like a genius. Is that I what it is? I would not. Ever is, say huh? that? Nobody I is. Would He's never gone. say that. He's this fucking smart dude. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. But I'm, you know, you got all these diffuse interests in Harvard. <laughs> and, uh, I love the sound of disgust. I don't love it. I don't love it. <laughs> I wish you could see his face. Uh, it's like no, it's like he had a very they, they, yeah, same, look in the mirror. Tell. It's the same face you're making. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're yeah. So so I got to New York and I just was like working for the company in Boston from New York, trying to figure things out. And somebody emailed me a job link. From MediaBistro.com, the Onion is looking for a politics editor to run the election coverage for 08. This was in the summer of 07. And I was like, yo, that's my job. Like, I got this politically satirical newsletter. I've been doing stand-up for a while. I had a self-published book that a few people had read. What was that? Called uh, Better Than Crying. It was like a, a best of my, mm-hmm. my writings uh-huh. that I printed out really nicely. And, hey, by uh, the yeah. way, people always – I don't want to – I'm not cutting you off. That's I'm cutting right. you off to shit on some people. Please. Okay, great. People – the way to the part of the the show is set up so that people uh, can hear how to be in comedy. Yeah. One of the goals is getting black kids who just think that you got a rapper. Are like you talking about our show? Yeah, I didn't um, know about this. Yeah, I oh, this was part of our, our mission statement. Yeah, yeah part oh, of very interesting. Statement. How long um, you been doing the show? Uh, three years. Three years. <laughs> and so this is um, new information. It's getting kids to there's a that, Chill, there's a way to, there's a way to do it that's not. You don't have to do stand. There's a ton of other jobs in comedy. Yeah, one of the the only way to not get a job is by hitting someone up on Twitter <laughs> or hitting someone up on Facebook. Stop it! You could have just said stop it without the mission. <laughs> he just stuff. he added this whole noble yeah, yeah, cause. Yeah. I like that. I, like, I don't know about you. Guys. Time immemorial. <laughs> when, we the champ, when the champs was Moshe. nothing but a seedling in my Hi. mind's eye. Hi, I'm Neil Brennan. Um, Moshe, I have a lot, something called you may not know about called diffuse interests. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. No, me and Neil were talking. It's Neil, a good was name tell, for a Neil was telling me about recently about what the interests of our we were in the middle of a fight as yeah. we often are about what the interests <laughs> of our listeners were okay. and he explained that it was comedy yeah. directors basketball and east coast hip hop interestingly I didn't say east coast hip hop I interpreted it that way <laughs> interestingly enough these are all things that n- comedian Neil Brennan is personally very very interested in yeah, that the overlap great, the Venn diagram is one circle host, and it says Neil on top I'm of it it's because it's because he's not just the president he's also a customer yeah. that's right that's I right. know what these people want <laughs> yeah sure um, you're out here and they want young they want new shit that's yeah. the other lesson that if you look at like shit. I've ever seen the downloads of like Big Daddy Kane which to me is like the greatest episode relative to like someone new Kumail it, or Kumail's a better like Kumail and Too Short have the same amount of downloads, and it's like 
Too short should have so many more downloads to me, but it's just I don't, that's people want new shit. Yeah, and they're probably and they're probably younger, so they. That's what I mean. Know. They're younger. They know because they don't. They, they literally don't know who of. Too Short is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Natural but, human. Instinct. Yeah. So I was saying, just don't hit people up on Facebook. I think what you were saying was don't Twitter. hit. Don't, don't hit, hit you me up on specifically. Yeah. I'm. Don't send me a link. <laughs> so this is, Richard just, Pryor didn't send a lot of links. Can I, like I just? To, I always I'm, like to point that out. Not a lot of links. Didn't promote a show. He didn't. Uh, he didn't teach a comedy class. <laughs> he just was. He, just he went to work. a place yeah. and fucking got good at it. I I love. Did that. Mooney help? Absolutely. He's an Oakland I, homie. I love that that I was answering this question. Mm-hmm. Right, like how'd you how'd you end up at the Onion? And then and I thought, oh, this is a really relevant interruption. It has something to do with the story <laughs> I'm telling. Right, it's going to add something. To like he's like, oh, I I know something about that New York scene you're talking about. It's like, no, no. By the way. Leave people me alone. St- leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Basically, get off my lawn. Yeah, that was that was a get the off my lawn chance. moment. Brought yeah. to you by Neil Brennan. Yes. The so chance. the Onion. You answered an ad. So yeah, I saw this email and uh, that a friend had forwarded, and I submitted. I said, "Look, I'd love this job. This is, I'm good for this. Like, I got this book thing. I'm funny. It's political and stuff." And then I forgot about the deadline, right? And what you're supposed to do. And the day before the deadline, the person who I submitted to, I later found out was an intern. A very poorly paid one, but a great one, wrote me that Thursday night. I was all doing a Friday, and she was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, remind you, are you going to submit your shit? Because you look kind of promising. So I stayed up that whole night, and you had to write a bunch of jokes and do all, all these, jump through a lot of hoops, and I got a call back for another round of submissions, and then an in-person meeting, and then another in-person meeting, then a phone consultation, and they the job had morphed through all this. So it was basically a one-month Let me take this opportunity. Don't call me on the phone. Uh- <laughs> if you have my number... Text me. Kids, I don't want to speak to you. Have you heard of a carrier pigeon? Please go do not ahead. Involve that. Baritone, you, yeah, you were saying. Well, so and I guess the best part of this whole story is the reason I even found out about the job in the first place is because I had messaged someone on Facebook uh, who was just really kind. You know, they were uh-huh. like, they're always generous, like looking out for the next generation of comedians. Uh-huh. Right. Like, how can I help you out? And I was like, that is so. You know who that man was? That wonderful. was Richard Pryor. Yeah. Richard Pryor. Well, Richard Pryor hooked me up uh, with, with an assist by Paul Mooney. So. You could look that up on your fake <laughs> Wikipedia app. Yeah. Your lying Wikipedia <laughs> app right. and, and lying ass Wikipedia. This. So yeah, that, Facebook homie. They, they ended up saying, okay, can you do the politics editor job and kind of produce the election coverage over the next year? And what did that entail? So that entailed, and then also run the web site, not technologically, but sort of creatively, comedically. Like, how are we going to expand what The Onion does to the internet better? So yeah. that, was, that was the other job. Well, that was well done. The, uh, the election stuff meant coming up with new types of jokes. I mean, helping develop a new editorial process because The Onion worked on a very slow schedule to produce this print product every two weeks. And election news especially moved a lot faster during an election year. So we did like all Internet things, things that were just for the website, Mm -hmm. uh, created a little sub team of politics only focused jokes, joke writers. We used Google Maps and had jokes about that. We created fake blogging characters like the Viet Cong guy who tortured John McCain was like a character. <laughs> I like that. A junior like high that. school that's president. Nice and, that's nice and mean. I like yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing <laughs> It tickled your yeah, like, yeah, asshole yeah, bone. Got me. I see that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the only kind of bone he has. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of assholes. The asshole bones connect to the other asshole bones. just a bunch of assholes yeah. Yeah. that are connecting bones to one another. Smaller, different yeah. types of asshole it's bones. It's like a, those uh, old school toys with the little wooden cogs that you would stick the sticks into. The coccyx. Isn't that the coccyx? Coccyx? Isn't that like the tailbone? Yeah, it's the tailbone that... Little dangly. Yeah, a little dangly thing. A little yeah. dangly That's thing. the only bone you got. Yep. It's a little dangly, dangly. thing. <laughs> oh, by the way, my my uh, hairdresser, I love calling him a hairdresser, 
was telling me the today that one. in the racist yes, one that you can't gay, stop thinking you about my racist He doesn't actually mean it. He's just like conservative because he's all right. You know what? Meanwhile, he was raised by his parents. Yes, and he's and he's gay. And he like I love Sarah Palin. It's like you don't really love Sarah Palin. Um, he was telling me that it's a big thing when you send a dick pic in the gay community. Big balls is a thing. Oh yeah, which fucking made me laugh so hard. Like they're into big balls. Like, like that's an attraction. That was like all, all of them. He's like most gay guys are into big balls. Like actually testicles that are large, big, oversized. Isn't that a what? sign of infection? Well, I don't think they're talking about like distended. Okay. <laughs> I think they're just talking about like impressive fat, fat set of nuts. Okay. Yeah, I, that's that's new. Yeah, and I still so, got the biggest nuts. I've just so, learned something. Thank you. Yes. So this is an anyhow, uh, so and you wrote the famous joke, Obama, black man given world's worth. No, that was not you. That was not me. All right, I don't you're joke. always credited with that joke. That is racist. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, right. it's 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 presumptuous. But no, I didn't do that. That was one okay. of the fun parts. Actually, finish the joke though. Uh, black what, man given nation's worst job. Uh huh. That was Obama the get election night joke. That's clearly proven true uh, over the past six plus years. So yeah, that's that's it meant produ- it meant writing a bunch of jokes, it meant submitting stories uh, and like headline pitching, it meant tech coordinating the design and the build of the separate website which was called War for the White House at the time, it meant creating new stuff and it meant a lot of publicity. It's like going on panels, going on the radio and like sort of talking about political satire and the role of the onion. So I was doing NPR stuff and Canadian radio stuff and it was a weird gig. I was like part spokesmodel, well that's part writer, about you, part though. producer. It was and it was great because I also got to learn a ton of shit. You are you're not uh, dogmatic about. Um, you don't believe that one, like you don't. You're not like they're stand up and that's it. No, like you're no. like ah, I like this, I like that. You don't give too much credence. You're not like the Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock and David. It's just like no, I want to do. I you don't mind talking, giving like inspirational speeches and no and i mean look the reason i mean i have disparate interests but they are connected and i think i learned early one of the ways i got started actually there's some guys maybe you've even had them on the show michael colton john abood the, i know those guys yeah yeah so they had this company called modern humorist way back in the day late 90s early 2000s it was a very popular comedy website kind of like the funnier die Yes, that in era. fact, they wouldn't do one of my sketches. There you go. They wouldn't do they the, kink, the famous Kinko sketch that was on the pilot of Chappelle show. Oops. They didn't Oops think was right. good enough. <laughs> so they, they, for a while, were they ran this comedy writing workshop every Tuesday night at this loft in Dumbo before Dumbo was like super expensive like it is now. This is the year. This is 2002 is when I got started. So I would actually commute from Boston down to this thing every Tuesday. And I would take an overnight train back to get to work Wednesday morning for six or eight weeks, however long the workshop was. What you're not saying is you had a huge drug habit. And to, to and be able to keep up balls. With. <laughs> but the balls got bigger because enough. of the drug habit. Yeah, 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 sitting, old gay sitting on Amtrak that long. There's just something about those chairs something, and the vibration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it sounds good, delicious to me, but so, go ahead. So part of their, their – like the structure of that workshop was like we're going to expose you to different ways of being funny. So they brought in Michael Schur, who was at the time yep. running Weekend Update. That's who I met right. those guys through. They brought in Carol Kolb, who at the time was running The Onion. They brought in Andy Borowitz, who was writing at the New York Post and was much closer to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air at the time. Mm-hmm. They brought in Patrick Borelli to talk about stand-up. Mm-hmm. So they had all these different funny people talking and sharing from their world. This is Well, this is how I'm funny. I do jokes about the news. I do fake magazine covers. I do stand-up jokes. How many people story. were there in the audience? There were like seven of us. It was a very small group. We were yeah. all around did one any, table. Did anybody else pop from that group? Um, you know, I that's a, I should look that up. 
The answer is no. You don't need to look it <laughs> no, up. No, I, I might. Why would you look it it's up? It's the answer. The, your, your statement contains the answer. Yeah, <laughs> That's correct. No, no um, one pops. I should Wikipedia. Or they might be popping right now. Like, it was yeah. a long-ass time ago. And this is before Facebook and all that other stuff. So I don't even know if I have the emails from it because it was before Gmail. I lost everything before that. Before 2004, no emails. All gone. Really? Most of them. Um, so, yeah. So that's – I think the reason I'm that's interested in all these different Yahoo, flavors yeah. – Stand up is where I spent the most time still, but I don't do it very much lately. But I, I love comedy and I love, I think being funny is valuable. I think people listen to you a little bit more. I think you can weasel some smart shit in there and, uh, and, and not be dogmatic and not be like yeah. preachy all the time, which can, can be a turnoff. But I'm also interested in like how else you can be funny. I did improv for us. I moved to Chicago for a summer to do improv. Spent uh, like five weeks at the IO doing that intensive long form improv program. Changed my whole life. I didn't become an improviser. I went like, now yeah. fuck stand up. I'm only doing improv. But it was a good tool to have, and I like just using all the tools. And well, I think that's cool. To, yeah. You don't seem panicked. I feel like inherent in show business yeah. is this panic that mm. if I go into another lane in any way, then everything's going to go away from me. And I like that you don't seem like you have that panic. I don't. I think I see lanes differently, and I don't see lanes as like format restrictions, right? I think for me, comedy is a very broad, like, and my point of view is what's unique. My, my stand-up set, like my tight seven or 15, that's not what this has been all about. Uh, or this one script. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I, well, I that's what's interesting to... is, like, you don't panic, but it almost seems, it's not, it's not aimless. Like, because no. I'm like, what do you, what, what's your goal? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what your goal is. I'm I'm trying to marry comedy and thoughtfulness, right? I want to change the fucking world, basically. And I think there's a couple of avenues to do it. I think some of them are more available to other people uh, than me. And I think I found humor pretty early on out of frustration. You know, I stumbled into comedy out of just being angry about politics a lot. I was like, okay, I could just rant about this and piss everybody around me off. Mm-hmm. Or I could lure them in a little, like just judging response and kind of judging it for me as my first audience. Like, what do I feel good doing with my time and my energy? And it's just more creatively interesting to try to make something funny than to just try to, you know, browbeat people. Browbeat people, exactly. Yeah. So, so my mission is a couple of them, but I like being able to communicate good things, often important things, in a way that people actually give a damn. And comedy is a great way to do that. Right. right. So it's almost. So you almost started with a message before you had a meeting. I was I was self righteous before I was funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> the jokes came after, and then I was like, "Oh, this is a better place to live." For my own sanity, it was better. And people were you super earnest as a young child? I was. I would like no one who knew me in grade school would be like, "Oh yeah, he's class clown." Like I was the class like ambassador. You know, I was a class black student union person. Like I was the the class browbeater. Do you go to in, Jack in and Joe? Ways. No, no, I was not a part of Jack and Joe. <laughs> I don't. I just feel like I get some street cred for even knowing what that is. You don't. I don't I, you nothing. Know, I get you nothing. might have if you didn't self-proclaim it. Like right, that. right, right, but right. You can't claim your own street. Cred. I have a problem you have to, with It's that. just offered. It's just a gift. He you didn't like, even. You, 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 you were getting, He was. Baritone went into his pocket, and Moshe's hand was already in there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, get the fuck out of here! Now I don't want. Now you're taking all cred like that. You're getting all. You're taking all the fun out of this. That's great. Um. Yeah. All right. And yeah. so what do you what do you, so you got that show on you got a show on Yeah, so so my life is is always uh multiple things going on. Cultivated wit is a big part of it. The company's based 
in San Francisco. That's where my four business partners are. And I'm, but the balls are big. The balls are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm here in L.A. And, and still in New York a lot. I'm kind of in between zones. Uh, and I'm going to take part live on this new network, Pivot, and uh, doing this live daily show. Megan McCain's one of my co-hosts, John McCain's is she cool? daughter. She is cool. Oh, you can't even answer really. But I'm she... act- That's a legitimate answer. Like we have grown closer together. I would say mm-hmm. we're – I think we're friends. Like, yeah. or is that in between? But, but that's a classic friends. case like, of like she was raised by her parents. Like, <laughs> she was. If she is born to other people, she's probably not who she. You know what I mean? She's kind like, of a wild. No, she. I mean, I she's mean, like. Look, she believes in climate change, right. which is like anathema to the Republican Party. Yeah. Like science and the Republican Party not so it's good. It's crazy how right low now. the bar is for the Republican yeah, Party. Look, look she, I mean, she <laughs> believes that she believes that, in that, evolution. Provable reality is real, and she doesn't want to beat every Mexican she meets. So, like, that's very progressive for the Republican Party. I'm very proud to know her. Hates the Vietnamese though. But really, oh, you know what? She hates wow. a couple of the Vietnamese. There's the some Vietnamese. specific a blogger. There's a blogger on the Onion that she does did not that care we for that at all. <laughs> Didn't cancel her subscription. Blocked. So yeah, so I'm, I'm doing Onion, the, you are blocked. <laughs> doing the Take Part Live show, doing the Cultivated Wit thing, and constantly, you know, traveling. I would still like to see the world as much as possible. Doing but you, talks, doing but yeah, you do talks, right? Yeah, um, and I was going to see if I spend more time out here in LA. I want to get back into stand up. I think there's some. Something gym like, you know, regular workout. Like, I miss it. Yeah. Because I, I, it's basically when the book came out and I hit the road for that, my regular shows, I couldn't keep up with them anymore. I, find I just had to devote myself to, like, okay, this book is a funny thing. Let me just talk about it. The book is called How to Be Black. Yeah. 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 And I find your Twitter to be, like I said, it's funny and it's, but it's, it's, in, it's often heartbreaking and there's information there. So if you are listening, follow him on Twitter because it's, it is, I get stuff from it. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll it's keep true. giving then. Yeah. I was going to stop. Yeah. No, no. I'm but here, I'm here to make sure you don't stop tweeting. Because you get stuff. Yeah. I'm going to keep giving stuff. I guess I'll unblock you. <laughs> Do what have, you want, man. I, I don't well, you, well, you fucked I up when you, you know when you what? tweeted at Neil asking for career advice. I will, got. <laughs> that, I will, is that why we didn't talk for eight years, I Neil? I will unmute you then, Barry, because <laughs> I didn't want to be – Actually, t- let, let me tell you a, a quick story, Neil. So Neil and I met many years ago when I was still at The Onion. The book had just come out. You were in New York. Mm-hmm. And we had lunch right around the corner from The Onion. It was – that was a great day because I was like, I'm about to have lunch with the co-creator of the oh, motherfucking Chappelle show. I wish I had a vomit bucket I'm here. sorry, it. but it was a big deal. It's still a big deal. And, and I so, was like, I got to eat with some kid. So, I, so I, gave a, <laughs> I gave him a copy of the book. And then you went into the Prince Street subway stop. Yes. And, and this photo, Neil took one of the more iconic photos. If you go to Facebook.com slash how to be black, the cover photo there, that's your photo, Neil. Because <laughs> it shows these four black dudes gathered around one, one of the four, holding How to Be Black. And they have this range of facial expressions, which I use in every How to Be Black talk, saying it captures the full spectrum of response to the book. You got one guy who's like super earnest, like really into it, page turner kind of dude. Then you have somebody who's like, I'm skeptical, but he's still looking. There's one guy who's really excited. And then there's one dude who's not even looking at all. He's like off to the side, (laughs) eyes in a whole other direction. He's wearing a brown leather jacket. Tan brown, a tan t- sweater turtleneck, and a tan baseball cap. And I like to think he's like, look, I don't need some book to tell me how to be black. Look at my matching turtleneck. And I, I got <laughs> and this you know what he my needed, point, though. which is that black dudes on the street are funnier than most white comedians because it was one of their ideas. <laughs> they, so they posed it. for that. Also, that dude with the tan hat. It's just what he needed to do was go to audible.com. Autopodcast.com. He didn't want to jam. read that You're boring ass perfect. book. He wanted to hear your voice. So how how did that portrait come to be? What like tell me your I, side of you it? You know what's fun? I 
I think it was their idea. It might have been my idea. Yeah. I don't remember. But okay. they saw me with the book, and yes. I remember them, like, one of them started laughing, and then it became, like, a thing. Yeah. Because uh, like, we could teach it, you know, like, what, just, like, a funny street thing. Because I kind of, because I don't know, I just made up a story yeah. uh, that you got severely beaten with the book yeah, after yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I was beaten like, by, with. Do you think a book yeah. can teach you this, white man? Yes. Here's we how can to be teach black. you some things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 and then they shift I like how he became and I just kind of like, I just kept going, like, you think this book will teach you white men? Like, that's a guy in New York? That's a Prince Street? That doesn't yeah. sound right. Because he was a prince. That's, yeah. that's right. From uh, Samoa to yeah. America. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but the book's funny. Cool, man. Thank and you. I think people should read it and or listen to it. All right, we got to go. Gotta yeah, go. Let's get out uh, of this here. was good. I hope uh, people thought, I hope you learned about directing and basketball. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 and Neil Brennan. And Neil And the youth of tomorrow. And the youth of tomorrow. Not hitting him up. You, both of you guys, thank you for having me on oh, the channel. Oh, of course. Thank you. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people, I've wanted to be on the show for a while. I've heard other people like, how come you haven't done the champs yet? What's wrong with you? We felt the so to all way. you people, shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Don't bug, don't bug anybody. Yeah. Actually, bug me. I, thank you for all the positive tweets last week. Goodbye. Bye.